video games were made to be played. Don't play yours? We know some people who will. We are Get Well Gamers, a charity who take your unwanted video games and consoles to give to children's hospitals and wards across the UK. Donating is super easy. Just head over to our website, getwellgamers.org.uk, to fill out our online donation form. You've played the hero, now be the hero. Welcome to the Pure Dead Gaming Podcast, your Scottish weekly dose of all things gaming. I'm Jess, for those that you don't know me, for those that... No, that didn't come out right, did it? Nope. I'm Jess. <laughs> and joining me is Pure Dead Craig. Hello! Sorry, it is actually Craig, I should probably just confirm that. Yes, it is. Okay. Following a week of early access, Starfield releases worldwide on September 6th. So we will, of course, be discussing our gaming experience thus far in a sort of spoiler-free fashion as best we can. We'll cover the news this week and biggest releases as well. And this week's gaming movie, because it is a gaming movie, is Gran Turismo. So, Indeed. Yeah. Brim, brim. What's been happening this week, Craig? Andy's poorly, I should add also. He's normally our third chair, but he is not feeling too well. He's lost his voice from all his singing exploits at the weekend. So. Yeah, he's not been feeling too well. And then he was performing mm-hmm. because he's a performer. Mm-hmm. Born to perform, some would say. And um, he was singing his wee heart out and he's lost his voice. So he's fuck all you stars this week. <laughs> right? We could have maybe brought him around as a fluffer. But other than that... But if he's no off use. work, then he will be able to play Starfield. So hopefully, lots to talk about next week. Yeah, he's off the next two days, so he's quite excited about that. Yeah, good. But he couldn't let her cheer. No. So there was that. How are you this week? Fine. Anything been happening? Has anything exciting happened in my life? I feel like, see, every Tuesday... For some reason, like, I don't know, I'm, we make notes for this podcast, right? We're professionals. But we don't really make notes for what we've been up to. And so it comes to this part every week, and I'm like, what the fuck have I been doing? And it's mostly work, most of the time, because I'm a grafter. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, not not much else. All my, all my spare time has been getting into Starfield that we're going to talk about in a wee bit. I did see a funny story, well... I take that back, not a funny story. I did see a story, right, Mm -hmm. that I thought was a joke, but it's not. Have you heard about hashtag egg prank? (laughs) No, but some sort of online nonsense trend, I'm assuming. Yeah, now, right, see, to be honest, that warms my cold, dark heart that you don't know about it because you are a serial abuser of TikTok, right? Yes, but also, remember I've lost access to Facebook. But this is a TikTok trend, apparently. Well, yeah, but okay. So this is a TikTok trend, and apparently I'm going to read a little bit of the news site here because it's fucking ridiculous, right? 
So it says, TikTok's latest trend, parents cracking an egg on a young child's head has been criticised by medical experts over the potential damage it could do. Right? Now, fucking obviously. Why? Why are people doing that? I continue. (laughs) What happens here, according to Sky... The parent takes a raw egg and tells the child that they're going to crack it. But instead of doing so in a potter pan, they crack it on a child's head before pouring it into an egg or pan. The phenomenon, a fucking (laughs) phenomenon, right? Crack the egg over a fucking infant's head has gone viral, despite it causing some children to cry or leaving them looking upset and stunned. In some instances, the child throws an egg back at the parent. As you fucking would. Yeah. You'd be like, crack an egg over my head, will you? I've got the full box and you're fucking getting it. So on Tuesday, a fucking, a literal expert, a medical expert they've put down has had to come out and go, don't do that. <laughs> Stop doing that. You wonder sometimes how these things take off. Like- Thick as fuck. That's what it is. It's people... Like, obviously not yourself, right? But see, a, a, a lot of these TikTok creators, the mm-hmm. people that are posting stuff on TikTok, mm-hmm. they're thick as fuck, right? Properly thick as fuck. They don't have jobs, and this is them trying to make it big. So they jump on trends to try and get more views so that their life can be making TikTok videos, right? So when a trend like this goes, they just go with it because they're too fucking stupid to realise that, oh, wait a minute, social services might get involved here because I'm literally filming myself assaulting a child. Yeah. The thing is, though, these people, like, when trends come about, right, the originator is not always the guilty party for setting off the trend. It's the first person, the first follower that is is to blame because they see, deem it should be followed and they follow it. So you're saying it's not the fault of the person that first went see that kid over there i'm gonna fucking smack an egg off its head well not it's not them that's created the trend they've no. done it first but it's the it's the people who then subsequently follow or do the similar that's they're they're the problem i think we can agree that they're all idiots well, if they're yeah. cracking eggs over kids heads yeah. i mean my... i mean remember the things we used to do for trends like plank on stuff <laughs> oh i did like a good plank I mean, what was that all about it was good stuff i did some dangerous planking in my time <laughs> <laughs> that was harmless though I wasn't fucking abusing kids no no so yeah and yes uh, also I did have something else here that I'd seen yes McDonald's da, right da, da, see da, how da. their ice cream machine is utter shite I wouldn't know I don't frequent McDonald's aye right that's an absolute lie and that is that not as much as you Um. So it would probably go about an equal amount. I don't go to McDonald's that much, no. and I certainly don't get their ice cream, but I do know that their fucking machine is always broken, okay. right? Mm-hmm. It's probably second only to the KFC crushing <laughs> machine, which has like a 1 in 15 success rate. Uh, so McDonald's ice cream, it's always at a stop. Oh, the, sorry, the machine's not working, the machine's not working. Well, there's this company in America called iFixit, and as the name suggests, they primarily deal with fixing phones they like they like subcontract to like apple samsung google the like and they make solutions for issues with technology and so 
apparently someone at that company has got so fed up with the fact that they can't get an ice cream out of McDonald's that they had gone to McDonald's and been like, we will identify what's wrong with these machines, why they keep breaking, and we'll fix it for you so that we can get ice cream. Mm -hmm. But apparently there's a law in America that stops them from doing it. They're not, literally not allowed to because a different company make this machine. Um, can't remember the name of them, but because that machine is um, copyrighted, no other company is then allowed to work on it through American law because they could steal the patent of making ice oh, cream. The design of the machine. Aye. And so seemingly like McDonald's are like, yeah, we would like if our ice cream machine worked all the time. But they can't they can't let this company need it because Aye, without replacing their whole fleet of machine yeah, uh, okay, and it wouldn't then be McDonald's ice cream. So they're stuck in an ice creamless wonderland. Wow. First world problems right there. As, as. But then do you remember back during COVID, do you remember that? We could probably dig the video out. It was absolutely hilarious. I think it was in that Frankie Boyle show and that Muppet in Glasgow, the TV presenter, and he'd got like the last, was it the last milkshake or something like that? Something like that, yeah. And he gave it to some woman and she nearly burst out greeting because she had like been in the queue for ages. It was just after it had reopened with COVID mm. and I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Scotland's had some low moments, but this TV presenter getting the last milkshake and then giving it to a woman who subsequently nearly burst into tears because she was so excited by it. <laughs> if I can find that clip, I'll post it online because it's it's absolutely horrific. But yeah, other than that, nothing's been happening this week. I've been keeping quiet. Gaming, doing lots of gaming, lots yeah. of real work in the real world. Like a real boy. Yeah, let's just jump into what we've been playing first and foremost this week then because obviously lots to talk about with the release of Starfield, which we have both jumped Never into. Heard of it. <laughs> um it entered early access period uh, from the thirty first of August, so we have both been playing it. Um obviously it's coming day one to Game Pass on September sixth if you've not had a chance to play it yet. Um yep. I suppose it's one of the biggest game releases of the year, already earning itself a slew of high scoring reviews. What's your initial take, Craig? I really like it. Mm. <laughs> I really, really like it. I was worried. I don't know if I, did I mention it in the podcast last week. I think I did. Um, I've been back playing Cyberpunk recently. And jokes aside about the launch of Cyberpunk and stuff like that, like it's, to me, it's, it's very much like a Bethesda game, but it's just more advanced and done better than the ones that came before it. And I was worried that if Starfield hadn't caught up, you know what I mean? Like, so... You Fallout, mean Cyberpunk's like that? Cyberpunk is way more advanced, okay. right? So, like, you've got, like, Fallout 3, Fallout New Vegas. Well, New Vegas was made by um, Obsidian. Fallout 4, right? Skyrim, which I didn't really play to fair, didn't like. It's a lot of shite. Um, but these great games, right? But the engine they ran on badly needed updated. As good as the games were, they had technical limitations. Cyberpunk came out, did a similar type of thing, but did it better in a better world, a more immersive world, more immersive characters in my mind. And my concern was going into this, if Bethesda hadn't caught up, that I'd be like, 
whereas everybody else would be enjoying it, I'd be like, oh, but it's, oh, it's still way behind here. Um, it kind of still is. Like, it's not as advanced as Cyberpunk, and that's before this mad 2.0 update that's coming. Mm. Um, but it's it's enough that it's really good. Really, really good. I'm, I'm a big fan of it. And I'm, one of the things I'm most surprised about is how well they've implemented third person. Like, mm. I much prefer playing third person to first person. And in previous Bethesda games, you could go into third person, but you look like a puppet on strings when you ran about. It was like something out of Team America. Um, but here, it's actually viable. I've been playing in third person for the most part, other than a couple of shootouts, and I've I've had a blast. It's been brilliant. 20 hours in over four days. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm not quite as much that. I'm probably only about 11 hours. Uh, I checked earlier, so... I've been busy playing something else, but I'll come to that after. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think like from quite a lot of the stuff I've seen, you know, people are saying like they start the game, don't particularly like it. There's too many kind of cumbersome, unexplained system. You feel quite underpowered to begin with and underprepared. And it's probably very easy at that point to just bounce straight away. Like, but for, you know, the same people who then have played more, the more they'd like the game. Um, and I think if, I don't know if you have a look at like the Starfield subreddit which like in the span of like 48 hours went to this is disappointing to this could be the favourite game of all time like mm. it's very much that I think you do need to invest so for me the first six hours or so um, I really really struggled with it and that's not because I was playing via remote play on the Series S mm. um, <laughs> it has to be said um, but I think just for me I'm I've not really played any Bethesda games before and I don't mm. know whether I was at a bit of a disadvantage because of that. Um, because there are many things that just weren't, I suppose, intuitive to me um, in terms of... There's, there's definitely plenty of things it doesn't tell you. Like, I mean, what I would say is for the most part, most people that I've spoke to really liked it straight away. But I think there will be... A, I have seen the side of the fence that you're talking about and mm. I think a lot of the divide will be... Like, you've got to understand that, like, I think us as gamers, like, long-time gamers, we look at it and go, oh, well, I mean, did you not pick up some of this stuff from Fallout 4 or, or from Skyrim? But, like, those games are fucking old. Mm -hmm. Skyrim came out in 2012 or something like that, 2011, 2012. Sky, uh, Fallout 4 was over five years ago. There's a lot of people that are hardcore gamers and this is their first Bethesda game. Yeah. Like, nobody played that Fallout 76. That's, that doesn't even fucking count. Like, so, like, like yourself, like, you've not played the previous Bethesda games and a lot of people are in that same boat. And, yeah, it doesn't explain a lot of stuff yeah. to you. But, it but even really for, doesn't. But even for people who are more attuned to mm. these types of games, like, I don't know, I just think there's so many systems within it that... It's about five even, games in one. Even as a you know, hardcore Bethesda fan that are still not explained. Like there's like sometimes like there was like a tiny pop up window that told you half a had half a paragraph of text and then that disappears forever. Like and I don't know, like essential things in the game are just barely explained or not explained at all. So like the fast travelling or kind of waypoint floor arrow tracking, your ship building, your base building, cargo storage, just like so many things are just kind of glossed over and then you've got to either figure it out yourself or thankfully now that the game's like out you know flock to youtube or guides mm -hmm. that are available to kind of get answers for 
for me what seem like really basic things that you need to know to play the game um do you know what I mean you have to learn how to use your strip your ship straight away mm-hmm. um I, you know in the bottom left corner there's like six things and they're all acronyms i'm like what the fuck does any of this mean i was literally going round and round in circles like in my ship like that's just to kill the two enemies uh-huh i didn't under- i didn't understand how i was supposed to lock on at the target and get, like i mean i got there in the end obviously but i just i got so frustrated at so many things in the beginning six or Seven hours to be fair, because I, so at this point you were playing remote play. I w- yeah, but because it, like with with that it does come up telling you how to lock on. Um, oh, it did tell me, but then shoot, but like if, but then if where was the that, reference to go back to it to be like, like what was I to do again? <laughs> like, aye, aye, it tells you stuff once and that's it. Uh huh. Um, and also the other thing which you took the utter piss at me and listeners, you're probably going to piss at me as well. Right, so I didn't like loot any enemies that I'd shot down. And it wasn't till, because we obviously, I was playing at home on the Series S, Craig mm-hmm. was playing on the X, and we didn't discuss till like the end of the day. Um, and I'm like, and I was watching him and I'm like, where did you get a gun from? And I think, did you just pick it up from somebody or was there already one in your infantry? No. So what happens is, because I went back and checked this, because at first I was like, how the fuck did you manage that? Right, so basically I, I played the first six hours with that plasma thing that you get. The plasma cutter that takes forever to <laughs> kill anybody. I didn't have a gun. I didn't know how to kill <laughs> it, I mean, it does kill them. It just takes a substantially longer period. Um, yeah, so... When you first... I mean, this isn't really spoilery, but the first combat encounter you have, there's some pirates come down onto the planet you're on. You've got to take them out. It's just like an introductory on how to kill people. Like, when I did that, the guy turns around and says to me, grab a gun and I was right next to a weapon case that was open and it had a gun so I grabbed that and started using it right there's but, a chance I picked it up but I didn't well you, but you don't have to be right next to that at that point okay so because I went back and checked and so if you weren't right next to that you wouldn't see to pick it up and even if you do when you pick it up it doesn't equip it you have to go so you have to press pause, then you have to go into inventory, then you have to go into weapons, then you have to select it. Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, it's a Bethesda game, so I know that you're looting everything in sight, but you don't know that. No. And they do not fucking tell you. Like, they don't tell you to go up and loot bodies. So you not knowing what type of game it is and me not having mentioned that at any point, like in Starfield, like... This, I mean, I absolutely love the fact that like you can loot anything in this game. Like you go into a room and there's a dartboard, you can loot individual darts off the dartboard. Mm-hmm. This is the level of stuff you can just be robbing. But yeah, why would you, especially on a small screen when it's hard to see the prompts that are coming up? Like you wouldn't necessarily know that, and it doesn't tell you. It doesn't like come up and say like, "Oh, you should be switching weapons here," yeah. or "Here's how you switch weapons," yeah. or "Here's how you favorite a weapon so that you can go to quick select." Like it does just assume that you know this stuff, and like certainly with the ship stuff, like at first, like you're saying about the, the sort of six meters at the side, like I was like, "What the fuck is going on here?" Mm-hmm. And I think it was because like I don't want anything to do with the ship. Right, I know I have to use it, and I, but I'm in and out of that thing as fast as possible. As soon as I'm able to fast travel, I just fast travel. I want to play it as a Bethesda game. I just want this ship to be used 
for fast traveling and that's it and i know that's not always possible but i have no fucking interest none in any of that stuff it's not bad the combat's okay in the ship i just couldn't care less um and so yeah there, there's lots and lots of things it doesn't explain mm. i think to be fair though with the the sort of ship combat stuff in the beginning like as i understand because i've ha- I have t- had to look things up um i think the, f- the first ship that you have is awful so without without any upgrades or getting a new ship then i think you are slightly limited mm-hmm. yeah mm. i got um i did a side mission got a better ship mm. which is better yeah but i still don't want to do with it, it just gets me further yeah, so you mentioned obviously like the looting and picking up everything. Now again, I've not knowing the mechanics behind the game. You know, I just was like, oh, a pen, I'll have that. Like mm-hmm. picking up random shit. Um, but then you run into issues with your carrying capacity. So mm-hmm. I, far and away, one of the biggest complaints in the early hours is, is just being over encumbered. And I don't know, perhaps that's tradition to Bethesda games, but I don't know, it's really, really bad at the start of the game before you can upgrade anything because even with the essentials that you need, like you you hit your max pretty quickly and then your pal, just, you know, any pal you've got, they're just like, eh, do you really need that? Like, they just mock you. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. So again, I think it does give you a brief prompt about... Yeah, you're carrying too much stuff. You might not want to carry as much stuff. But if you miss that brief prompt, the only way you know that you're carrying too much is I that your pal keeps going, I a bit heavy over there. Okay. You, might, you might want to drop a few things yeah. and you're like, wait, what? And yeah. again, if you've never played this type of game, you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? And and then I became a little bit frustrated because I'm like, yeah, I'm aware, but what the fuck am I supposed to do with it all? Where do I sell it? Where do I put it? Like, do I need, what's essential? What? What do I need to collect for a reason? You know what I mean? So that's the thing, yeah. Like, I love... The reason I love Bethesda games is for looting everything in sight. And, like... But it's a little bit harder in Starfield because you do become... I mean, maybe it's just recency bias or whatever, but, like, to me, in this game, maybe it's just because in this game you can pick up more than in any game before, but you do become over-encumbered really quickly Mm. and I think part of that is because every not every time but a lot of the time when you loot a body even though you don't physically see their suit coming off you loot their space suit Mm -hmm. and they're quite heavy they're usually about six kilograms but they're also worth a fair bit of money but so you very quickly end up over and if you're over your weight capacity you can't fast travel and when you run even when you're running like without sprinting, your stamina goes down. And if your stamina goes down to the bottom, you then start losing health. Mm. And so, yeah, I, I don't know if they maybe didn't strike the right balance. I'd have liked to have seen you be able to hold a little bit more. Like, if you're going to let me pick up the fucking pencil and the pencil case and the mat that the pencil case is on, <laughs> then I'm going to take all that shit. And you need... You need to let me carry it. And you're right, it is a bit difficult. Like, I've upgraded that twice now. Mm. So the upgrade system is pretty cool. It's not just a case... You get upgrade points every time you level up, but it's not just a case of that. So you you can at first upgrade your strength, which lets you hold more. It lets you hold... I think it's just 10 kilograms more. Then to enable the next upgrade, 
you have to run, like sprint for like a thousand meters with your uh, weight limit at seventy percent or over, mm-hmm. and once you do that, then you're allowed to use another skill point to upgrade again, and then again, I think that time you upgrade another twenty five. And then the next one you have to run for two, th- two and a half thousand meters, I think it is, at 70% or over. And then it'll let you use a skill point to upgrade it again. Mm. So it, as you upgrade, it does become less of a problem. But yeah, the next problem is selling your stuff. <laughs> because, and this is my biggest problem with the game, there's no fucking map. Yeah. There's not no map. There is a map of the solar system. And that's how you fast travel. But when you get to, like, a city, there's no fucking map. And see, I now know a planet I can go to where there is, like, a medical supplier. And there is two different places where I can sell stuff. But see, having to go there every time, because I don't know where they are on every other fucking planet. It's really, really fucking irritating. And that's the kind of thing that's going to be modded on PC. Like, if you have a good PC, the PC is the way to play this. Not just because of the, the FPS, not just because it will have higher fidelity graphics, but because the mods will be rife. Like, they will go in and go, right, we'll just remove the, the uh, mass capacity and you can carry as much as you want. Like, that mod will be out just now. Right, okay. And if I had the option of it, just for ease, aye. And I'd be running about with 3,000 pencils on me. Because I fucking can. Yeah. I mean, I get, obviously, they probably can't make, like, topographical ground maps for every procedurally generated zone on the planets. But like you say, for the cities, maps they for cities, to. like, all you're getting is a scatter of icons without context. And I don't know, it's, it's and not And even then, ideal. it's not like the icons, like, make much sense. Or you can, like, go, you can highlight over them and it tells you where it is and it tells you where you are in comparison to that. Yeah. It's just a fucking mess. Mm-hmm. When you go into these, the maps for the cities, it honestly looks like... A beta version where you're like, I we're going to finish that later. Mm. That's what it reminds me of. And it's not, but that's what it seems like to me. But look, I don't want to be negative. I know, I'm the same. I feel like I've spoken quite negatively of it. And granted, like my first, like I say, six hours or so were very frustrating until we conversed and you explained a lot to me. And I was mm. like, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, but since playing more of it, like I, ha- I have enjoyed it. Like I like the areas, the worlds to explore, and worlds maybe isn't the term, is it? Mm. <laughs> um, planets, mm-hmm. starfield to explore. Um, so far, like you, the ship is probably my least favourite part. I like, oh, being that on, can get in bit. I like being on the ground, I like exploring. Um, I've completed a couple of missions so far, um, but yeah, there's just, it's it's a bit overwhelming in that I can see that there's so much to do and it's it's just getting in my head, right, how am I going to tackle this? Because I know some people are going for missions, other people are sort of building up first, exploring, and I think I'll probably go for that kind of happy medium. I think I'll do a bit of both. Um, the thing is, like, going off the beaten path, there's a lot of advantages uh-huh. to it. Yeah. Like I say, like, I, I did a mission last night and I got my reward for it was a new ship, which is a much better ship than I had, yeah. and a legendary outfit. Mm-hmm. Now, did turn out. I knew the legendary outfit was there. That was the main reason I was going in. Turned out I actually already owned a better outfit. A bit annoying. But um, but yeah, there's there's good results to be had from mm-hmm. that. Like I joined the, oh, is it the Free Star Rangers, I think they're called. And the first thing they did was give me this uh, handgun. But it does massive damage. It's really good. 
Uh, and apparently if you complete that line of quests where you, you think you have to do like maybe 10 quests as a ranger, mm-hmm. um, there's some really good rewards if you go through that. So like it does reward you to do that. There's obviously factions you can join and stuff like that. And like all this stuff has an effect. You can like, you wouldn't have got any as far into this, obviously. Um, yeah, I haven't actually either. And I don't know if you know this, I think, but like see the ca- different characters you meet, like mm-hmm. not with everyone, but there's like romance options. Like if you go out and do stuff with them and things like that, you can like get together with different ones, um, like form relationships and not boots. Interesting. So it's it, it's deep, it is deep. But like, what I would suggest for yourself, Jess, and other people, if you are finding it a bit, a bit taxing, a bit much, keep your phone or keep a laptop nearby. That's what I do with these games. Like, I've played a lot, quite a few of these games, mm-hmm. and I still do. Like, and I'm googling stuff all the time. Like the other day, I had a it come up and like, oh, you've got lung damage. I'm like, motherfucker. Like, every 30 seconds, the guy would cough and half his stamina would disappear. And it would come back and I'm like... I went to sleep. Nut. Hmm. I'm like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? I had to Google it. And it's there's a certain type of medical spot. It's an injector. And if you take that, that, that sorts you out. I'm like, never told me that. Yeah. It just told me you might have something in your first aid that can deal with this. And so you just, you have to Google stuff. Um, but the game itself, it's 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 so immersive. Mm-hmm. It really is. I'm I'm really really enjoying it. It's it's not as advanced as Cyberpunk, um, but it's it's really fucking good. Really fucking good. It's it's the game. It is the game that Xbox fans have been waiting for. Like they've been needing a win. Um, they've been needing that sort of marquee game and this is it like some people are trying to pretend online because it's got an 86 or an 87 that it's not it it fucking is it like like okay it didn't break 90 but this is a top top class game it does have stuff that doesn't do well you jump in the water and it's only up to your waist i don't give a fuck (laughs) i haven't been in the water yet like i don't care i don't care uh, it's a it's a superb game. I can't wait to play more. Like I'm I'm hooked. Um, which I, I'd said last week I was worried about because Liza P codes are close, mm-hmm. and even if they're not, it comes out in two weeks, and then a week after that, Cyberpunk, and then we're in October, Assassin's Creed. Like I don't have time for this shit. No, I know, and I've made the mistake. We'll move on from Starfield. Yes. Um, I've made the mistake of starting Sea of Stars <laughs> on Xbox. We're fucking. We've we've got two Xboxes in the house, and it's not enough. <laughs> you know I mean, six months ago, everybody was using it as a doorstop, and we've got two in the house, and it's not enough. Yeah. Um, Tell me about Sea of Stars. Yeah. So, Everyone I've spoke to loves it. Yeah. So it came out last week on. Everything pretty much, but it is on PS Plus and on Game Pass. Um, so yeah, no excuse for most people unless you're on the Switch. But even then, it will run at fucking two frames a second. Sorry, one last thing about Starfield just before we fully move on: the thirty frames a second. I've been joking in the Discord that like I just keep putting in about how thirty frames was was the right option and stuff like that just to wind (laughs) people up. Um, See when it is running at thirty frames. I think it's totally fine. It does not bother me at all. Mm. But there's dips. 
and I didn't see many reviews mention that. In fact, I don't think I saw any reviews mention it. But there's times I'm running about in cities and that fucking thing's dropping to 10 frames a second and that is a problem. Mm. Um, so sorry, yeah, just wanted to mention that. Yeah, okay. Um, so yeah, Sea of Stars. So the the opening text or maybe like the second bit of like dialogue that you get when you start the game, um, I wrote it down because I was just like, that's funny. It says, welcome to the great archives adv- adventurer. I suppose your curiosity brought you here. And I'm like, yeah, it did. Because, <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah, I just think after discussing review scores um, last week and then like Punks reviewed it for us mm-hmm. on the website. Um, and then Joe waxed and lyrical as well yeah, like on, on the PlayStation podcast. Yeah, and I very much come from the same place as Joe in that rpg turn-based not like i've tried a few games before probably the most was like or most recently was like octopath i played the like demo Look, let's of not that. be around the bush it's for virgins <laughs> right well you said that not me um i don't have the love admiration or nostalgia for these type of games mm-hmm. i just i don't um and so i was about like don't know um but i thought i'll give it a go um and, you know, dissimilar to Starfield, the tutorial does really well to explain things as you start out. So you begin at this, like, academy, and it sort of taught me everything I needed to know. Right. And you've got choice of two characters, so there's Zale or there's Valerie, and obviously they can harness, like, different energy-related powers. I went for Zale. Okay. Um, I believe I can change during the course but i've not done that yet um and yeah as i say like i think that turn-based combat is a marmite component for a lot of players is what punk said and for me i've always been like i just don't get it Mm -hmm. but i think what this game does it it brings a few different elements that have kept me engaged um so like in terms of the turn you can switch the turn as long as the like act once per round whereas okay. i think sometimes you're forced to as uh, usually a set order uh um and there's again i think there's a few other games that have done this but like the timing aspect of it so you don't just hit like oh attack and just watch it play out like you can get more damage on your opponent by timing your attack like by pressing a basically and that's what south park did i like that and that it wasn't just here's my attack watch it play out you Uh actually had to and you could try and block a little bit as Uh well the defense as well you can you can block attacks as well to reduce reduce your damage if you get that that timing just right and don't be wrong it took me a a while to get and i didn't like valerie's like um kind of special power like i struggled with that as well so it's like a boomerang so you got like there's a uh, trophy for getting like 25 boomerangs in a roll it back and forth but that Mm -hmm. but i'm shit at it like to try and get Ah, because you keep multiplying the the damage Uh right um so yeah i think in terms of the turn-based aspect that's kept me going like it's enough for me to go right okay it's the thing i I do feel like if you got used to it i think turn-based I think you could quite like turn-based combat. I think part of the problem is that a lot of the games that use turn-based combat are fantasy, very Mm fantasy-driven. So I think it's more that that maybe puts you off. But I think the actual art of turn-based combat, I think you could get quite into it because, Mm -hmm. like, I think, like, we were watching you play Starfield a bit, there was one or two times where you died and it was like, I was like, you can definitely do that. Like, you're actually... 
pretty good at shooting games, but you panic oh, sometimes. Panic nothing else. <laughs> like, but you, see, in terms of, like your accuracy and stuff like that, like when you're focused, like you're actually pretty good at it. But then sometimes, like when there's multiple people shooting at you, you just completely panic, mm. and then you die, and then you get frustrated, and you're frustrated because you knew fine well that you shouldn't have died because you shouldn't have panicked. Mm. Whereas with a turn-based game, you do get to like take a breath and go. This is what I want to do. Yeah, it's like a calculated uh-huh. decision. So you game of chess. Like yeah. it's um, and obviously very good for on the go, like using the um the handheld. Yeah. Um you can enable like relics in the game menu as well. So there's like an amulet of storytelling relic which will grant max HP and plus a hundred percent um auto heal party members after combat. So obviously I've turned these things on because Aye. I'm a newbie. Um which is fine. There's you camp, you prepare food, a bit Zelda-esque style, which obviously I'm a bit more f- familiar with. You can go fishing, Animal mm-hmm. Cross style again. And you... Is the fishing game good? Um, I mean, it's just fishing. It's, you know, um, it's none of your dredge nonsense, but... Right. Um... Not much is, though. What a game. <laughs> um, there's, some, there's some puzzle elements as well, and like the kind of traversal... Is, I don't know, I'm just really, really enjoying it. There's a nice little story that's that I'm engaged with, Um as I say, the biggest, the biggest turn-off for me, I thought, was going to be the turn-based stuff, but I've kind of overcome that. And mm. obviously, I, I, I started this before Starfield came out. I played Starfield for a day and a bit more, to be fair. But I've been like, no, I want to play Sea of Stars. Like, it's got me When, you, when you turn the Xbox on, that's uh-huh, what you want to That's what on. I want to play. That's good. So that probably says quite a lot in itself. Um, you, I mean, you picked a great time to start two games on Xbox. Well, that, yeah. But I mean, I've you know of my gaming this week, I've played. Actually, let me just double check what I've played. Yeah, so of my gaming this week, I've played like ten, eleven hours, I think, of Starfield, and I've played sixteen hours of Sea of Stars. So pretty good going. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and also banging tunes. A good good soundtrack. Yeah, they good. just get stuck in your head. You know, that yeah, way. After, it's one of these games after you play, you're just like humming along. To uh-huh. <laughs> In fact, yeah, I've heard a few people say that, um, that the soundtrack's really good. Looking for a Spotify release. Mm-hmm. Good. So, yeah, it, look, it looks really good. I, it was one of these ones where, like, we got the review code in it really early, actually, about two or three weeks early. Um, and Punk was was kind enough to review it for us. Really enjoyed it, 9 out of 10. And, like, reading what he had to say about it and speaking to him, like, behind the scenes as well and him sort of waxing lyrical about it, I was like... Yeah, it does. It does sound pretty good and quite interested. And then Joe speaking about it on the PlayStation podcast again. I'm like, oh, that sounds really good actually. And then yourself, and I'm like, I would, I would genuinely play it if there was hours in the day. Like yeah, that's the issue right now. Aye, isn't it? I think it's going to be one of those ones where we just need to hold for a, a quiet period at some point, like twenty twenty six, and then there'll just be a list, and I'll be like, oh, see a stars. Yeah. Because it does, it looks really good. And it's bad to say it seems more manageable, but like I think roughly it's about 30 hours long, mm-hmm. 20 to 30 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a JRPG, that is manageable. Like most of them are like 70, 80, and that's really daunting. So I feel like I'm like, oh, that is something you could get through. Um, I'd be interested actually at some point, I can't remember the name of the game now, that game I kept going on about last year. And it was a turn-based game, but it was like cyberpunk style. Um, I think you'd quite like that. Mm, okay. 
It was good. But yeah, what else have I been playing? Not much else, to be fair. I've been I've been mostly Starfield in it. Uh, I have also played a bit more Cyberpunk. Mostly before Starfield arrived, but then a little bit after as well. And still I'm absolutely loving it. Because yeah, you've had the Xbox and I couldn't <laughs> fucking go on it. Um, but yeah, still just working my way, way through it again. I want to get the story finished by... Before Cy- uh, Phantom Liberty comes out, just so I make sure I'm ready for that uh, expansion. I think I'm... The story I've got, I'm, I'm certainly more than halfway, so I should be able to knock it out quite easily. It's still brilliant. Like... I guess I'm just lucky again. I'm getting no bugs. Uh, I know it's been up- updated an awful lot and it's about to be updated even more, but it's just, it's so immersive. It's absolutely brilliant. My favourite RPG ever. Um, said enough about it though. Play it. Or wait till the 26th and play it <laughs> the best possible way. The only other thing that I've been playing is Walkabout Mini Golf's new Alfheim Land of Elves DLC. It comes out the day this podcast releases. It's the latest DLC course. It's, what is it, £3.29? £3.29, yeah. £3.29. It's, it's fucking excellent. Really, really good. Another, just another brilliant effort for them. I was saying to you earlier on when I was having a round, it's, I think it might be their most visually appealing DLC course. Like, I, I quite like... I, I, I think some people say it's, it's a bit simple because it's kind of low-poly, but... It still looks good. Mm. I think most of the courses, and this one's really impressive. Looks yeah, so really, it's like really Norse nice. mythology. It's based yeah, on. Oh, I mean, it's definitely the best Norse mythology game to come out in easily two years. Um, not that that'd be difficult, uh, but I really, it's it's really really good. It's just, I mean, see if you're into at this point, if you're into walkabout mini golf. I don't know anyone that doesn't just buy the new course every time they come out. Yeah. Like they, there's none that have been bad. They can't be bad. It's a fucking mini golf course. Like, and the, the guys that make it, they're so creative. And so every time, I mean, they're, they're, obviously we interviewed um, one of the guys playing around, which I won. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, like they said, they're, they're on a, a sort of rota of about six weeks mm. and they're just churning these out. Every one of them's a banger. They're so cheap that you're like, why not? I can't get a fucking coffee for less than what this course cost. It's it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. and Definitely just, get on it. Just to know, it's, uh, the DLC will be released for PC VR, Pico 4, PSVR 2, Quest 2 and Quest Pro. So. All your VR headsets. Yeah. Get your headsets. <laughs> but yeah, pick it up. Brilliant. Okay, thanks very much. Um, in terms of the week's biggest releases, obviously don't need to state the obvious Starfield if you have not yet played that and you're an Xbox console owner or PC owner. Um, September 6th for that on Game Pass. Baldur's Gate 3 comes out September 6th as well on PlayStation 5, so it has been out on PC since August, beginning of August, yep. um, and Xbox this year, as we reported last week. Um, if you're not familiar with the series, Baldur's Gate 3 is a story-rich party-based RPG set in the universe of Dungeons & Dragons, where your choices shape the tale of fellowship and betrayal, survival and sacrifice, and the lure of absolute power. Yes, so this is almost certainly the game of the year. Like, yeah. when, when Big Jeff gets up on the stage and whips his dick out and proclaims himself the king of all games 
he's likely to give this the number one spot. Thank you. So uh, PC Metacritic score is 96. Obviously, at the time of recording, PS5 ones have only just gone live, but it's at 97. Um, and Open Critic, which accumulates them, is 96. So Elden Ring levels. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to win Game of the Year. Like, it was hard to imagine anything beating Zelda, but I, I think because this is kind of not came out of nowhere everyone knew it was going to do well and everyone knew it was going to score high and it's been in early access since fucking 2020 or something like that so it's not like people didn't it's not like this completely crept up on folk mm. but i think the success of it is kind of creeping up on folk like I, I think i feel like it was always going to be a huge game but i feel like there's people that wouldn't normally play it that are now like holy fuck Holy fuck. Mm. Like, I think it's got almost that Elden Ring energy. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to run away with Game of the Year. I really do. Um, I mean, I played half an hour of it on the PC just to wind Donnie up. And even from that, even though it's probably not my kind of thing, like, even in that half hour, I was like, you can tell there's something a bit special here. Mm. Like, I, I would like to get more into it at some point, but... We're talking about daunting games, like it's easily a 200 hour. Yeah, so I've got here that it takes the average player 130 hours to finish, um, but... What about expert players like myself? Well, I'm Tile, that's I-M, capital Mm T-A-I-Y-L. He set the world record time for completing the game in three minutes and 57 seconds. Oh, I could manage that. Yeah, I mean, Donnie's worried about fitting this in this month. There you go. Just copy what this guy did. Done. Oh, that's fine. I could do that while running the bath. Not sure how he did it. I think it must be a way to skip to the end, but I, yeah. You'd probably see enough, but... <laughs> I mean, I think it's got about 4,000 hours of cutscenes, but you get through it. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, there's that if you are looking for something to play this week. And, um, we've also got Death and Taxes coming out on September 7th. So... Yeah, the gameplay of this one like focuses on the work life of a grim reaper on an office job. Have you played this? No. I like the look of it, though. Yeah. Um, so the main objective of like the player is to make difficult decisions to determine who could be saved from death and who's destined for certain like doom while keeping the game's kind of fictional world in balance. Um, so each human that the player decides the fate of is given a short description of like who they are and based on this like certain people living or dying can affect the world in various ways um, and the outcome of the game depends on the player's decisions um, and they're given like instructions about like h- how you're supposed to make these decisions but you can choose to ignore that and just be like not get to so yeah it seems interesting um, and I think that the sort of attempt is to like help people relate more easily to themes of death to see them in a new perspective and self-reflection. Yeah, so it seems like it's a take on Papers, Please, mm-hmm. um, which I've never actually played, but I did play a game that sort of copied its style. I can't remember the name of it right now, but it was a game where you played as a bouncer. Uh-huh. And so everyone come up and... They, that's, I think that's why I thought you played it, because I yeah, remember you and you had to ID them all. Uh-huh. And so you had... To, it, it's like a really like fun game where you're just like you have to analyze something really quickly and make a split second decision because you're having to get as many people in the door as possible but you have to know whether or like you're just so you're looking for the date of birth you're looking is that picture of that person mm. 
mm. um, and a couple other things as well that they throw in and you have to be like so you have to get as many people in the door but you're getting marked against if you're letting underagers in or if you're letting somebody like that whatever mm-hmm. like there's certain people that have got like maybe a criminal record and you shouldn't let them in for some reason and um, it is almost like sort of like a filing system game mm-hmm. but it's really fun like I love that kind of bloody remember the name of it now but it was I thought it was excellent and it had a really interesting story as well and this looks similar mm-hmm. like I don't know like choosing what happens to people when they die like there'll be interesting stuff on that report that yeah. you need like it'll be like oh loved playing marbles dead you're <laughs> fucked get to fuck marble boy Um, I'm definitely look, gonna have a look at this yeah. it seems like the type of thing that you could just pick up and and put down yeah if you want we break from starfield then uh-huh. yeah yeah um, yeah i'm all over this yeah uh walk about mini golf we mentioned the dlc september 7th we also have nba 2k24 coming out on september 8th as well so obviously the latest in the nba series yeah it feels like there's no hype for this i i saw a preview for it about a month ago and they were talking about how they were using like real footage that you could play or something like that. So they've got um, pro play, which right. sort of I don't know. It's probably like fucking high promotion for the EA Sports. Of course, FC, I. you know. I think it's something you know, like that. But I think um, it allows you to create like, and it like creates animations based on real world player movements as opposed to like motion capture. Right. So I don't know. Hopefully that's not just babble then because I did end up picking it up in the Fantasy Critic League mm-hmm. because when I heard that, I was like, that sounds quite good. Maybe this one will do well. I mean, it always scores over a 70, but um, if they do something quite good, it could be dragged up. Or if they've added extra microtransactions, it could be dragged down. 2K can be quite bad for that. Yeah, I don't know um, if anyone will drag it down for its install size, which oh, fuck, is 161 is gig a launch. And Jesus. obviously that's not going to include the inevitable day one patch. So That is huge. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, see, graphically, these games are hugely impressive. Like, one of the most impressive games on the console. But... That's a lot. Yeah, you got to clear some space for that one, I think. Aye, that's a lot. They also, as well, earlier in the year, did give away 2K23, I'm sure, on PS Plus. And we sort of questioned that at the time. But um, they seemed quite confident that it might breed some new players. Mm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this does. Like, mm. it's, it's, it's good competition. There's plenty of games about it, but hopefully it reviews high anyway. Yeah. Okay, that's us for what's coming out this week. We shall move to the news. The news. News, news. I was believing the news. We are bringing you the news. The your digging team. I was believing. Okay, first up, Volition, the team behind last year's underwhelming Saints Row reboot, are the latest team to fold under Embracer Group's restructuring. The statement reads, This past June, Embracer Group announced a restructuring programme to strengthen Embracer and maintain its position as leader in the video game industry. As part of that programme, they evaluated strategic and operational goals and made the difficult decision to close Volition effective immediately. It also noted that the employees will be offered support looking for alternative work, but this is a sad time, obviously, for the industry, losing a studio that 
released its first game almost exactly 28 and a half years ago. Yeah, it's a shame. Uh, the first, so the first game came out in 1995. It was called The Scent. They're sort of best known for the Red Faction games, for the Saints Row games. For the most part, they make good games. Like this, the Saints Row reboot was a, it was a miss. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I completed it. I had fun with it. It certainly wasn't great. The world was pretty empty. The story, the story wasn't terrible, but it was just they went full PC, and you could tell. Like they were just trying so hard to like fit in with a twenty twenty two world, and it came across as very try hard, and there was obviously bugs and stuff like that as well. Like it it was, it's the worst central game. I I was in the mood for an open world game at the time. I quite enjoyed myself, but it certainly wasn't great. I mean, you, you even go back to like. They put a remaster of Saints Row 3. That's a better game. A much better game. Um, so, yeah, it's a shame. It, it's obviously... Like, it's actually one of the PS Plus games this month. Um, so you probably get people jumping in. There's been some a bunch of updates and stuff like that. Maybe it's a better game now, but it's too late. Um, we spoke about it in Bracer Group as well. Like, they bought up all these studios. It was never going to be manageable. And now they're shutting places left and right they're letting folk go they're trying to sell bits off like they've made an arse of this like to put in your statement that this will help them strengthen and maintain its position as a leader in the video game industry like you only that the now and this isn't gonna help <laughs> yeah so not good times and yeah sticking with the bad news and getting it all out the way early doors uh me 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 is that how i say it Mimimi Mimimi Games the team behind this month's Shadow Gambit, The Cursed Crew and 2020's Desperados 3 has shared the unfortunate news that it will be closing down this is because the devs future production costs are growing faster than potential revenues of our genre the increased financial pressure and level of risk became unsustainable it's explained in a blog post on the studio's website they will now slowly wind down production and contact other studios to try and find work for its current employees. The, the post continues, as founders and director, directors be found it increasingly difficult to strike a balance between fulfilling internal expectations for the studio and being available for our young families. Meeting our goals of quality, company culture and management requires a constant level of energy that we simply can't provide anymore. To help with this transition, all employees are being paid a bonus. Yeah, this, I, I don't know, this is such a shame, this. Shadow Gambit, it's a game that was on, the demo was on Steam Next Fest. Yeah, I downloaded it, I wanted to play it, I never got round to it. I do have the game sitting and I'm going to put an hour or two in before next week just to get a look because by all accounts it's fucking excellent. Um, it sits at an 85 on Open Critic just now. Um, and over on Metacritic that ranges from an 85 on PC to an 87 on PlayStation 5 like by all accounts this is a really really good game and I don't know it just goes to show what what we've been saying like I don't know people are moaning oh extra £10 for a game game prices have up £10 this is a fucking scandal well fucking tough like things cost more these days 
everything costs more. You're paying more than fucking that. <laughs> the increase has been more for your bread, for your fucking cat food, for your everything. But you're no, that's fine. You complain about the fact that it's a game, and now you've got games here that are releasing one eighty five on Metacritic, and they're having to shut their studio like weeks later, and it's because the game never sold. And again, like I'll beat this drum until <laughs> it becomes more and more obvious. It's subscription services that are doing this. Mm. A game like Shadow Gambit comes out, and people are like. Uh, it looks quite good, um, but it's it's not in any of the uh, services. It probably will be in a few months. I'll wait till it, I'll wait till it comes to Game Pass. I'll wait till it comes to PS Plus. Uh, well, that doesn't fucking help the people that have just spent three years putting their blood, sweat, and tears into making this game on eighty five. Yeah. Like I had a look. There's one thousand five hundred reviews on Steam, which is quite low, but they're all overwhelmingly positive. Like it's it's obviously really good. But it's not a lot. Of, it's, it shows that there's not been that many purchases. Mm-hmm. I went over to PSN profiles, and it says there's two hundred and forty-eight owners. Now, that's not. That's just people that are on PSN profiles. But multiple times before, we've sort of tried to figure out a system to work out what that equates to. Mm-hmm. And with several games, it seems to have worked out about like if you times that by thirteen, like it's like a thirteenth of the audience is on. Uh, PSN profiles. So if you times that by thirteen, you're looking at potentially under three and a half thousand sales. Mm. And I'm bloody sure it's not sold much on Xbox because most people on Xbox use it as a Game Pass machine. Mm. So it's not good, and this is going to continue to happen. And it's sad because they've, by all accounts, put a great game. Hope they get work somewhere else. Right, so let's move on to slightly better news. Good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, kind of. Uh, remember Beyond Good and Evil 2? Yes. Well, it's still in development hell, but it looks like an updated version of the original game could be coming to the current gen machines and the Xbox Series S as a listing for the 20th anniversary edition has been uncovered on the US ratings board website, the ESRB. Um, the game hasn't been officially announced by the French publisher, but it's rare for classifications like this to appear, appear erroneously. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely going to be, be real. But I don't know. If, it's, if it is a proper remaster, then awesome, because everyone loves that game. But we've been getting some pretty bare bones fucking ports recently. Yeah, we have. Like, if it's, uh, if it's Red Dead Redemption, then yeah. people will not necessarily be pleased. But I uh, hopefully it's good. I mean, it's, it's certainly going to be a better game than whatever Beyond Good and Evil 2 ends up being. So, hopefully. Yeah, we shall see. Uh, Alone in the Dark has been delayed. Um... You might be thinking we've turned returned to the bad news section, but in this instance, it's actually a positive as the game is ditching the dreaded October release date and regrouping on January 16th. The delay will allow the team more time to polish, but they do also admit that the move is to stop the title being lost in the shuffle. THQ Nordic, the game's publisher, even tweeted out, let's face it, there are too many amazing games coming out this October. You want to play them all, we want to play them all, but there's simply not enough time. They know the score. It's a good move. Yeah. And you may as well be upfront about it. Like, 
at this point you could come out and be like, ah, we just need a wee bit more time to polish. And they did say that, mm-hmm. but they also admitted we're going to get slaughtered mm-hmm. in October mm-hmm. and we're better coming out in January. And they are. Yeah. Like, there's not a prayer. I was playing that game at launch. But January 16th? Maybe. Because mm-hmm. I'm interested in it. As long as everyone doesn't do the same thing. <laughs> Well, that's it. Because right? um, yeah. I feel like already there's a few being moved to January, so you're like, mm, okay, how's January looking uh, now? Uh, there's no great time, but it's no. a better time than October. Yeah. Um, Hopefully a few others take the hint. Well, but they, but they won't. No, Craig, because actually someone has gone against your device and there is another game being added to the madness. So the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series version of Trapang 2, the mind-blowing supernatural first-person shooter, are hitting the scene on October 2nd. Um, so if you haven't been living under a pixelated rock you will know this game already stormed onto PC via Steam on June 21st and it has been a wild ride ever since um, so Trapanto is like a turbocharged love letter to those first person shooters from back in the day dialed up to living and paired with an epic heavy metal soundtrack uh, but it's not just about spraying bullets it's about diving deep into a world of chaos death, destruction and some shady corporate schemes you will slip into the boots of a super soldier who has managed a daring escape from top-secret government facility with a jaw-dropping arsenal of weapons and supernatural powers. You are not just on the run from your captors, you are taking on some seriously spine-tingling otherworldly foes. It's not a good date, but it is a good game. I played a little bit of it on PC, but stopped because of trophies. Right. Obviously, obviously, yeah. Um, but what I did play was really good. It's very gory. It's it packs a punch. Like the there's a lot of feedback in the in the shooting. It's it's good. Like by all accounts, it's been published by Team Seventeen, but it is an indie game, and it doesn't look it like it looks high quality. Um, it's getting good reviews. I think it sits at a seventy-eight on Open Critic just now, but there was multiple people giving it like eights, nines. Like it's don't make the mistake of just going, oh, it's in the seventies. Oh, it must be crap then. Nothing, nothing under an eighties. Any good? <laughs> that pish needs to stop now. This is a good game, it and does. it's worth looking at. Maybe not on October second, but worth keeping an eye on. Uh, popular PlayStation YouTuber Mystic claims to have it on, quote, good authority. A new PlayStation 2 emulator is on the way to PS5 and PS4, although he stopped short of sharing any specific details. Uh, back in the PS4 era, Sony did release some PS2 games, but the idea never really got off the ground. Um, if this is true, it makes sense that it's a move to bolster the PS Plus premium tier, which currently releases new PS1 and PSP ports on a regular basis. Yeah, if this is true, it might have been an idea to announce this alongside that PS Plus price hike. Because yeah. you'd be like, ah, you're paying more money, but we've got PS2 games coming. You know, the best-selling console ever. Yeah. Well, that's going to offset it a little bit. I mean, that would have been quite good, but I just, I, I think Sony realise, rightly, that they can get away with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but a, a PS2 emulator that would be cool i'd be well on board for that like game preservation as many ps2 if, if i can get ps2 games with trophies bring it oh, on cha-ching. 
Sounds pretty good. But um, <laughs> speaking of the hike, like I know we spoke about it in the PlayStation show, but Jess, you rudely weren't even invited on to give no, your I was opinion. Not. I was no. not. Yeah. So, what do you think? Like essentials going from forty nine ninety nine to fifty nine ninety nine. Extra is going from eighty three ninety nine to ninety nine ninety nine, and premium is going from ninety nine ninety nine to one hundred and nineteen ninety nine. So that's all in pounds. Um, it's an even more substantial jump if you're in dollars, which is hilarious because yeah, Americans usually go off it. That's what I find a bit odd with it. Like, why is the American increase higher than? Because they never bump the Americans. Ours, it's all yeah. it's always us that get shafted. Yeah. But what um, I mean, what's your thoughts? I mean, it is quite a jump with no like explanation, like you say, as to what more you're getting. I get that inflation is occurring and things are costing more, but it. I don't know, it, it is quite a jump and it'll be interesting to see, I don't know, I suppose the fallout of it. I think they've probably done the the calculations and they're well aware, yes, people will drop off or downgrade, but it's still probably within our best interest financially to yeah, do it. They'll have less subscribers, but they'll be making more money. Yeah. Um, Jeff Grump... 95% of the people that complain about this will just go on the internet and complain and keep paying. Yeah, probably. And 95 is a low estimate. Yeah. Um, or stack it if you can now. Mm. Um, Jeff Grubb did tweet out that he's heard a state of play is coming um, like in response to this and said like this feels like a lead-in for that. Um, what, the price hike? Mm-hmm. We're going to rob you of more money. Here's a state of play. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like... Jeff- I mean, if they've got announcements like you know ps2 emulator like maybe that could come then I, I mean i said a while back that i thought maybe we would get a state of play in september for ahead of spider-man so yeah i think we'll get something that could possibly be like a spider-man specific one mm-hmm. although i don't really I, I hope they don't do that i can't be asked for that and not just because i'm not that excited about spider-man like i feel like see even people that are excited about spider-man they just want to play spider-man yeah. i don't think they want 20 minutes talking about spider-man like yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you don't want to see too much. You just want to play it now and it's close enough. I feel like they've shown enough of it, but I think they still will mm. do a, a, a specific state of play on it. But yeah, like... If they're going to do it, they'll probably announce it, like, on a Wednesday, the day after we record. So ah, that, of course, you know, aye, probably, yeah. aye. probably this week yeah, when you're sitting <laughs> laughing at us now. Um, but you're right. Like, if you're going to release a... If this PS2 emulator thing's real, why not put that in the same blog post? I sorry, we're putting up the prices, but we're giving you PS2 games. Just something Soften to the offset blow, just it. a little Aye, bit. Something. <laughs> yeah. Lie. Just lie. <laughs> Say, I mean, fucking PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo, they're all great at lying. Just be like, we're going to give you a higher quality of PlayStation Plus essential games. Because that's... <laughs> n- nobody, nobody can prove that. Do you know what I mean? You can be like, well, we thought that game was worth... Like I know you've got a monetary value there, but you could go. We thought that game was was a higher profile game than this than we gave before. Like just fucking lie, say something. You should send your CV to the marketing team, Craig. Great at lying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I. It's the first time Jeff Grubbs had I mentioned in a while. Mm. What's he been doing? For a while, he appeared in the news section almost every week with some bullshit fucking story or claim. I feel like there was a time... Do you know what happened, right? And I, People who follow Jeff Grubb, I'm sure there is some, 
um, we'll maybe be able to clarify this or not. But I feel like near the beginning of the year, he came out and was talking about how high on life was a dis... No, it wasn't high on life. It was... Hi-Fi Rush. Hi-Fi Rush. Hi-Fi Rush came out, got great reviews, but obviously it's a game pass and it was shadow dropped and, like, we can't tell, like, is this a success, is it not a success? But Jeff Grubb decided it wasn't a success Mm -hmm. and came out and said stuff. Um, And it caused a big sort of kerfuffle and Phil Spencer, Xbox, they all come out and were like, get to fuck, it actually was a success. We were very happy with how it came out. And it was a bit of a public embarrassment for him mm. because he's an Xbox guy and that was his fucking hero coming out and being like, shut the fuck up, you're talking pish. And it's ever since then, he's not really been appearing in the podcast. So I wonder if he's just went a bit quiet. Mm. Like, not in terms of he doesn't do his podcast or whatever, but... He was, every week, he was coming out with something. Oh, I've heard this is happening. Oh, no, uh, they actually changed their mind. It's it's happening later. And then four months later, something would happen and go, remember I said that was going to happen? But now he's, he's fucking, he's kind of clamped up a bit. Mm. Get in touch, Jeff. <laughs> uh, okay, moving on. So after some major setbacks in 2021, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2 has now risen from the dead with the help of its new developer, The Chinese Room. This action RPG will be released on multiple platforms in fall 2024 with an official gameplay reveal set to take place in January of next year. This sequel will take players to the dark underbelly of Seattle. And here's a bit more about it direct from the PR. As an elder v- vampire, players meet compelling characters, manoeuvre complex political relationships, stalk the city streets for prey and engage in intense combat while balancing the need for blood. Throughout the game, players must always be mindful of their surroundings or risk breaking the masquerade, the absolute law of secrecy that keeps vampire society hidden from humanity. The Chinese Room Studio director Ed Daly mentioned how Bloodlines 2 was the Brighton-based developer's most ambitious project to date. He's previously worked on games like Dear Esther and Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. I'd wasn't really aware of the first game, the first Bloodline game. I think it maybe was more of a PC thing. It sounds cool. I'm right up for a vampire RPG <laughs> if if it lands. I don't know. The Chinese room and a good developer. Seems like it's maybe in good hands finally. It's been kicking about for a while. Um, yeah, I don't have much to say on it, but I'll keep an eye on it. It looks, it looks cool. It sounds cool. It's got a cool developer on it now. Aye, hopefully it does well. Not vampires, but zombies. We're moving on to now. The day before the zombie MMORPG delisted from Steam over the rights to its title, supposedly, could be getting a new, if rather less striking, name. The day before has been in development since 2019, but there's already a calendar app named the day before, which has been around since 2010. So the developer, Fantastic, had been working on a game without having the rights to the title. Ricciera. Yeah, and when the owner of the trademark became aware of this, they like took action and yeah, it was all a big thing and it got pulled from Steam. Um, but now I spotted by Well Played Fantastic, which has partnered with publisher Matona to become Matona Fantastic. Matona. Um, they've filed a trademark for a new name 
World. What a shit name. It's not great. It's not great at all. Um, it's a really shit name. Um, and even worse, uh, when I looked into this, there is a trilogy of dystopian novels. Yes, sir. Called uh, Day World. By Philip Jose Farmer uh, called, wait for it, Day World. Wow. So clearly they didn't think a Google search was necessary again. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know. There was like a whole like kind of, I don't know, when they pulled it first, like Fantastics like didn't say it was because of that. They said it was something else. And then I don't know, they've been a bit sly about. There's definitely something not right. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, don't get me wrong. If I was making this game and I called it, the day before, and someone was like, oh, I've got a calendar app called that. I'd be like, good for you. This is a game. Yeah, yeah we're not off. in competition. Don't like, worry. I like, you can't own the day before. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just sounds like there must be so many things called the day before. Mm. But, aye, they've obviously got the rights to it, and that's it. Um, I'm still not 100% convinced this game's real. Um Seems a little bit like a Hassan Karaman situation. Yeah, is that might, the abandoned guy? That is, aye. Right. They might need to get in contact with him and be like, see when you've uh, sort of sold a game to people, but it's, there's no actually a game. What do we do about that? Like, <laughs> you successfully seem to just sort of disappear. How do we do that? Because fair fucks to Hassan. He did, he did get out of that. Yeah. There was times when we were reporting on that story and we were like, How's he going to get out of this? Yeah. Is he going to have to fake his own death? But he just sort of... Disappeared. He disappeared. just abandoned the, the game and went on his merry way. Aye, it was like it was like the greatest illusion the world ever seen. <laughs> just like, I'm gone. And so is my game. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I think this is still listed as coming out in November. I've dropped it from a fantasy critic. It's not happening. It's, not, it's definitely not coming out this year, I don't think. They don't even have a fucking name for it, so no. it's not coming out in two months. No. It was supposed to be the first ever Unreal Engine 5 game. Not to be. No. Um, following the success of its debut feature, Nimona, Annapurna Animation is ready to launch its next phase of movies. Among other intriguing items on the agenda for the division are plans to adapt video games from Annapurna Interactive, the gaming branch of the indie studio. First up is Stray, the award-winning adventure game from the developers at Blue 12 Studio. I really need to play this game. You do. I was so excited about it before it came out. I've said this multiple times. (laughs) An animated film sounds cool. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, it would need to be animated. Fuck, try to get a cat to act throughout a whole film. I mean, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. I hope it's done in a similar style. Yeah. It'll be one of these, like, I don't know, what are they going to do, make the cat talk? Well, that, that's just what, that was what the pause was for there, because I was thinking... It'll be one of these kind of arty things. Yeah, how Where you're just supposed to interpret yeah. what the cat's thinking. Just, and, you know, bites me owls. Yeah. Mm, okay. <laughs> uh, okay, round up of a few other bits and pieces of news. Having been priced a couple of weeks ago at $199, no, $199.99 and pounds, the PlayStation Portal now has a release date to go along with it. So November 15th is the date and you can begin pre-ordering the device now. 
Yes. I don't think you need to get... You don't need to like drop this podcast right now and get on it, though. I'm pretty sure there's going to be some available. Yeah, I think so, yes. Yeah. I mean, we're picking up one, but I, I, it doesn't strike me as a sellout. Yeah. Uh, a Back to the Future DLC has been announced for Power Wash Simulator. No date on this one, but probably October, you know. Uh, but it'll be a similar size to the previous add-ons. It'll cost £6.49 or $7.99 and offer 10 extra trophies, Craig. Pretty good. Yep. I'm just looking forward to uh, polishing Marty's prize possession. Okay. Uh, following a spate of teasers, the latest official World Rally Championships video game is now confirmed. EA Sports WRC will be released on the 3rd of November this year. Early access for the title starts on October 31st. I get the branding, but I'm really sick of these EA Sports games having EA Sports in the title. Mm-hmm. I know they sort of always have. It was technically always EA Sports FIFA, but now it's it's fucking front and centre every single it's EA Sports UFC it's EA Sports FC it's EA Sports WRC like fuck off but it's because everything's like an acronym like that follows it I know but still I just I don't know it doesn't sit well with me the, yeah, like the EA Sports is actually in the title yeah they're definitely one of few that do that mm. yeah Um. And lastly, there was a Nintendo Direct last week showing off Super Mario Wonder, mostly, um, which comes out October 5th, is that right? 20th. 20th. Um, Also, I saw that, you know how, like, we're like, oh, when's the Switch 2 announcement going to happen? Is it coming? When will we get it? They just keep, like, announcing more special edition current Switches. So there's like a OLED plan to release as part of Super Mario Wonder. And mm-hmm. it's boring as fuck, it's just red. It's just like the Mario red all over. I think, like, obviously Nintendo would love the Switch to overtake the PS2. It's mm-hmm. probably not going to happen, but they would love to try. And the Switch is in that nice pocket where it's still priced like a console, mm-hmm. but it's quite cheap as well mm-hmm. and it's in that window where oh, I could just buy a special edition like there's some people that have like five switches mm-hmm. but they don't use any of the special edition ones they just have them as like ornaments yeah like you don't really I mean some people do you get proper mentors but people don't really do that with like a PlayStation or an Xbox no. they might have one special edition but they wouldn't like collect them all because it's too expensive but with a switch it's in that range where you could be like hmm it's an expensive ornament, but it's an ornament. <laughs> um, well, yeah, so you've got the red one that you can now get. And then there's also two lights coming out. Um, they're Animal Crossing themed. But it's basically just, you know, like the kind of coral pinky one. Mm-hmm. And then the kind of like teal blue. It's basically just them, but with like a bit of a pattern on the back. And you get Animal Cross bundled in with it. Yeah, which I'm everybody like, fucking owns anyway. Uh-huh. I'm like... <laughs> To be fair, just circling back, that Animal Crossing Switch they brought out, the first one, when the game came out, yeah. that was mint. That yeah, was really that was fucking nice. nice. Yeah. If I need, if I, if I had to go for a limited edition Switch... You would get the Zelda one? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I would not. I'd get the Animal Crossing one. I've seen it once in a CEX. But oh, I don't buy it second hand. I didn't buy it. No, don't do that. But yeah, that's... somebody's jizz on it. That's all for the news. 
News completed. News completed. Okay, we actually have a gaming movie this week. Um, this has just come out a couple months ago, but we've just not covered it because it was at the cinema or whatever. But um, Gran Turismo is the film of choice this week to review. Um, so this, uh, Gran Turismo, but it was later marketed as Gran Turismo based on a true story, which it is, which I'll come to. Um, but yeah, it's produced by Columbia Pictures, PlayStation Productions and 2.0 Entertainment and based on the racing simulation video game series of the same name. Uh, tells the true story of Jan Mardenborough, teenage Gran Turismo player who became a professional race car driver. The film stars Archie Maduk as Mardenborough alongside David Harbour, Orlando Broom and Jerry Halliwell amongst others. Jerry Halliwell was a weird inclusion. Well, you say that, but I'm pretty sure she's like married to like the head of like Red Bull F1 racing or something. Like she's she's in. Oh, the... so she's pumping somebody that's got something to do with it. So she gets roles from that. Potentially, right? She's in the racing space. Right, it's good to see that she earned it. Um, so yeah, what did you think of this? I think like. Looking at uh, the IMDb rating, it's it scored quite high. It's seven point four out of ten on IMDb, um, which multiple people said to me best video game film they've ever seen. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't stretch to that. There's two Mario films that easily beat it. Far Cry was pretty good. Um, obviously Tekken, that was excellent. Yeah, but I think we've watched a lot of good video yeah, game films. So it's hard to put it up in the pantheon. When it's a racing game, you sort of think like, "Oh, is it going to be like a Fast and Furious or whatever?" But there is quite a. I think the the, the story, and I suppose maybe is because it's based on a true story. There is this sort of, I don't know, quite compelling, like aspirational, like. I found it interesting. I don't know so, where like, I'm yeah, going, but... and well, obviously, we knew this was based on a true story, but I thought they'd taken way more artistic license than they had, and like, I don't know. I did feel that the story was a little bit formulaic. Like, it's like, oh, he fucking qualified on the last attempt. Well done. Uh, and like, oh, here comes the the thing he has to overcome, and like. It, it wasn't that way formulaic, but it worked. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought it told a good story. I thought the characters were good. I thought the main the main guy, I thought he did a good job. Mm-hmm. He was likeable. Um, David Harbour's always good. Like, I thought he was really, really good. Orlando Bloom played, I suppose, a little bit of a dick, but also a kind of caring guy. Like, he, I thought he was good as well. Everyone, I thought everyone played their role well. Like, I think it deserves a good rating. I just, I wouldn't say best video game film ever, but, like, I know I did. I did think it was really good. So I don't know a lot of what did and didn't actually happen. Well, I do, Craig. I looked it all up. Yeah. So aside from... Or do you want me to not jump about here? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there, there was an article on Dextero, which is titled, like, How Accurate is the Movie? So I, I got a lot of info from there. Um, so, first up, David Harbour uh, plays Jack Salter, a gruff failed racer who is enlisted by Danny Moore to run the GT Academy. However, he's not a real person. 
Oh, is he not? He's fictional, yeah. Right, okay. It seems that he was probably inspired by like three or four people. So there was like kind of the, some of the coaches. There's a guy called Gavin Go, who was like an NLP and sports. Goff, hypn- Gavin Goff. Gavin Goff, who was like an NLP and sports hypnosis practitioner who Martin Brown met at Academy. And I think like there was a kind of, they said it was like the ripple effect of that conversation was quite significant. Um, so it was the kind of, you know, and then his performance kind of improved off speaking to him and stuff. Um, Orlando Bloom's Danny Moore isn't a real person either, but he is directly inspired by Darren Cox, who's the founder of GT Academy. Okay. Um, so in the movie, we meet Bloom's character as like the Nissan marketing executive who pitches the GT Academy to the board and they give it the green light and then... He, it's ready to recruit racers within what seemed like a week. But in reality, like Cox pitched that idea in 2006 and it took two years for it actually to be implemented and for a GT Academy to be born, essentially. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Friends laughed out the first boardroom meeting, I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, Gran Turismo positions Jan Maddenbrot as the first racer to win the GT Academy as well, but that's not true. So, as I say, it was... 2006 then it was founded in 2008 and Lucas Ordonez was the first graduate and the competition didn't run again until 2010 in which Jordan Tresen emerged as the winner and then Mardenborough entered and won in 2011 so he was actually like the third round of recruits. Did the first two not do much in the real world though? Not sure where their story went thereafter. Not as well as this guy, obviously, obviously or the movie not, about them. Yeah. Um, so again, in the movie, he fi- Jan finds out that he's eligible to enter the initial qualifying stage for the GT Academy due to his track times, but it was like a bit different in real life. So there, there was, I think, significant changes across the kind of eight-year run where they ran the academy. But the process is made up of like four phases. So firstly, anyone could qualify after downloading a free update and trying to set the fastest lap possible in four consecutive rounds in Grand Turismo 6, or five, I think, in its earlier years, on PS3. Nissan and PlayStation also hosted live events for qualifying rounds, so people could compete at gaming cafes and motorsports conventions, and then these winners earned a spot at the finals as well. And then next, competitors who made it to the national finals competed in Gran Turismo 6 time trials, as well as undergoing several tests of their actual driving ability, personality, like physical fitness and general health as well because I think that is quite crucial you can, I don't know like when they were talking about like the, the g-force hitting you uh-huh. and stuff like that like you do need like it's not just oh I'm really good with a controller like I agree I mean Gran Turismo is quite a realistic racing game but yeah I, I, it's I, not a real world situation I need to be careful how I word this as well but again your physical stature like if you're heavily overweight then that you know oh no fat fucks allowed <laughs> okay yeah yeah I mean you're trying to go fast uh-huh. you're in a car trying to go fast you can't be fat as fucking holding it's, up the car oh, it's the weight yeah Aye. like that all bears an impact on the oh here comes big Ed. <laughs> last place <laughs> Um, fucking 27 stone but yeah so those have to change the tyres every round those winners were selected for the the race camp similar to what you see in the movie and then there they were assessed on and off the track and whittled down to a kind of smaller group that went head to head in the final race to determine the winner so um, and then yeah only the winner would progress to the fourth phase the Nissan's driver development programme where they take on a, like two to four months of training and several order races in order to qualify for an international racing license. 
so yeah some truths but yeah it was kind of but that's they have to dress it up for the film yeah. but yeah like so again jumping about a little bit but i did think it was interesting so at the end of the film it does show you like the real life counterparts mm-hmm. and i did appreciate how they also had people who looked like the people do you know what i mean like see the guy that played uh the main character like he fucking looked like him yeah, and he actually stunt doubled it in the movie as well. Oh, really? Yeah, some of the racing actually was him because obviously. Oh, well, I mean that would work like, <laughs> because they did look quite similar. Yeah. Like it was, it was quite impressive. That's cool that they got to use him. Yeah, um, I think yeah, I think he he was kind of quite heavily involved with Good. it. Um, and I mean, obviously, he's not an actor, so you can't put him in the starring role or anything like that. But yeah, to have him involved as much as possible is good. Yeah, and I think in terms of like the, the I suppose some of the truth. So he did come third at. Le Mans, which was like the kind of final scene of the movie. And was that a 24 hour race? Um, Is that an actual I thing? I so, yeah. Because I was like, what the fuck? This can't yeah. be real. What the fuck? Um, Fair play to him coming third in that then, if he did. Yeah, I think that the time frame, I think, jumps about a little bit though. So it was in 2013 that he comp- competed in Le Mans alongside early GT Academy winner Lucas. Ordinez and Michael Crum, a German professional race racer. Um, the latter driver doesn't have any connection to the GT Academy, um, and they when, also weren't re- they weren't racing for a team Nissan. They were part of Greaves Motorsport. When in the timeline does he spark the fan? So yeah, the the horror crash um, where a spectator was killed. Is that what you're referring to? Sparked the fan, yeah. Yeah, so. The, the accident itself is accurate, but it took place at a different time. Um, was this after he'd got a third so yeah, in, in the film, it takes place in a race at the German track that he's trying to, where he's trying to get his license and his car becomes airborne. Um, and like due to how easily the fr- front ends of the cars can lift off the track. And then he wakes up in hospital and he's told there was a freak accident that led to the death of a sp- spectator. But in real life, the accident... Uh, rocked the I don't know how to pronounce this Nür- <laughs> Nürburg Nuremberg yes in 2015 so it's actually two years after he came third at Le Mans um, right yeah so and I think but I, they had to switch that around because they needed the they needed something for him to overcome uh-huh. so that they could end it on a high whereas if you have him getting his license and then fucking into a fan at 300 mile an hour and then that's the ending it's a different film. Yeah, I mean, a few people of critics have obviously slammed that because, like, rearranging it kind of exploits the tra- tragedy to give this film a bit more weight. Do you know what I mean? Um, I can understand that being quite upsetting if you you knew the person. Yeah, but then there was an interview with the Sunday Times and the real life Martin Bruce spoke about the crash's inclusion in the film, um, and he said it would have been like a disservice to the audience if it wasn't shown. So I think he sort of wanted that story to be told because it's so. I mean, I don't know if you've went this deep on it then. Did that sort of end his career? No, he went on to do... He did race after that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why is he not still kicking about? Is he not he good is. enough? Or does he still race? Yeah, I think so. All oh, right, okay. He's just not massively high level. No. Fair play. Yeah. I, I, I'm in, it's interesting that... I'd never heard about that. Like, I feel like 
obviously we weren't doing the podcast then back in 2015 but even at that point like I was still body deep in gaming news and I feel like a guy who became an actual racer through being good at a video game killing a fan I feel like that's something I'd have heard about I mean maybe but it's because surely to fuck like you know what it's like right I mean I don't watch a lot of this sort of stuff a lot of this racing but I have heard that not so much anymore but it was quite common for something like for tragedies like this to happen Mm -hmm. like it was you knew the risks when you went like it wouldn't necessarily cause massive headlines but as soon as somebody get wind wait a minute this guy's just here because he's good at computer games or computer game like it's it's all gta thing all over again isn't it Mm -hmm. or computer games fucking breeding murderers like i'm just surprised it wasn't more of a thing and maybe it was we just didn't consume that but i did consume all this sort of stuff that's what i mean like i mean not in the f1 world or whatever but it's not f1 but it's the same shit it's not it's really not oh it is (laughs) i'm sure he's pals with lewis hamilton it's all a big it's all a big fucking circle jerk okay Four pies for me. Yeah, four as well. I four? Yep. It was good, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It's one of those ones, though, that I wouldn't watch again. No, probably not. Like, see Mario 1993. <laughs> Every week, you try and squeeze it in. It's got that timeless feel to it, right? <laughs> like, you laugh, you cry, you go, oh, that shit, but it's really funny. Like, you can watch that on a regular basis but I feel like this is like there's certain films you watch and you're like that was good but it's a one and done Mm -hmm. like I experienced the story I wouldn't experience the story again so for me it's a four okay and what about Deep Blue Sea does that have that rewatchability the first film absolutely it's it's fucking amazing right the second one remains to be seen though because we've not seen that I've heard it's really 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 bad okay but that the third one's better so you have to get through the second one to get to the third one. Okay, so... And let's be honest, what, what was that shark shite we watched about two months ago? Black Sea or something? I don't remember, did I fall asleep? Probably. It's not going to be worse than that. I, I think it'll be better than that. Okay. The name alone means it has to be. Yeah, I mean, Deep Blue Sea, that does carry some weight. That it name. carries a massive amount of weight. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably what happened and why it's not as good, because it just had such a burden on its shoulder. <laughs> yes, well, I'm excited to watch it. And also, audience, please let us know your your thoughts on that film. because Yeah, the last couple of weeks I have been very busy Slapping. and unable to uh, get the form out, but I will make sure it's out ahead of time next week. You can give us your feedback on Deep Blue Sea 2 if you can unearth it from some corner of the internet mm. and uh, all the latest news and what we've been playing. Um, like I say, I'm going to jump into a bit of Shadow Gambit and I've got some modded N64 stuff to have a look at as well that I might make a video on that I've been promising for about a year and a half. That might go up. So I'll talk about that as well if I can. Okay, sounds good. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye.